Hi, Josh. Hey, Uncle Collar. How's Uncleing going? Uh, yeah, it's all right. Yeah. Getting into it. Not a huge workload at this stage, is it? Just the occasional holding and that's about it. Yeah. How are you? Yeah, I'm all right. I was meant to finish early at work and of course I finished late because that gave me extra stuff because I didn't have enough work to do <laughs> and um, got in, smashed some leftovers, threw on my white snake shirt and here I am. <laughs> yeah. Who are we talking about today? Um, well, today it's a bit of a special episode, a very special episode of the Heavy Blog Review Podcast because there's so many damn releases in June that we've had to break it up into uh, two episodes. So I'm going to be doing a another episode that I'm going to be recording this uh, weekend with Trent from the blog, where we will cover the big releases from the likes of Alexis on Fire, Porcupine Tree, Creator, White Ward, Astronoid, and a whole bunch of other stuff. Um, mm-hmm. But on top of all of that, yes, all the all the tech death bands that didn't put out an album last year put out an album in last month. Uh, so today we are doing a special Tech Death focused episode. Necrovugist. Necrovugist. Yeah, you like that one? That was good. Yeah, Thanks, well man. done. Uh, so our headliners, our, our Tech Death uh, special will be headlined by Artificial Brain, Origin, Inanimate Existence, Surreption, and Exocrine. And then also some uh, non-Tech Death special guests uh, with the likes of Billy Howard, I'll Bleed From Within, Dragged Under, and Thornhill. And then an extra special cool people slash uncool people time with the new Curried and Cameron album i'm so excited <laughs> but we have to wait to the end for that that's that's how it works although I speaking of keep how you it in works, suspense i was thinking so normally do it we do the headliners first but did you want to do the special guest firsts so that then we do like a big tech death chunk in the middle or do you want to do the tech death chunk first it's, it's up to you let's kick it off with the tech death chunk. Wanna, all right that's what the people want to hear josh <laughs> All right, well, which, which, uh, I've put artificial brain there as the headliners, but you're in charge. This is your wheelhouse. So you tell us who we should be listening to. All right. Well, let's, let's start with artificial brain. I think they are probably the biggest name of those. Yeah. listed maybe it's between them and origins a bit of a toss-up i'd say origin are the biggest but artificial brain are the most sort of like zeitgeisty cool. yeah. You know, yeah of the now so artificial brain now i just assume since you're the tech death guy and artificial brain are the big tech death band that everyone loves at the moment that you would love artificial brain but you've informed me that i may have been uh misled in my assumption not just misled josh gravely mistaken that that, that much hey they just i don't know just can't get into them uh, and unfortunately, that doesn't change with their self-titled uh, third record. So in, in the past, the really super deep guttural vocals have been sort of off-putting for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I can't really say that that bothers me anymore. I think I'm over, that's a me thing. I'm just fine with it. And the production's not to my taste. I prefer things to be recorded in studios rather than caves. But that's all right. That's the vibe they're going for. I can acknowledge that uh, and appreciate that. That's a big part of the appeal for a lot of people so the the key for me with most music but especially with tech death is the music itself uh and artificial brains music just doesn't grab me not enough groove not enough melody and i feel like i need at least one of those things to be quite strong in order to grab me yeah so we've we've got all these tech death bands and i think all of them sort of represent a different aspect of tech death which is kind of convenient and interesting and uh, we've got artificial brain written down here as weird tech death Mm -hmm. Yeah, they, they are weird. They're, they're proggy. They've got the brutal vocals and things. But I guess they're, they're more like in, the, in that dissonant tradition. Yeah. And 
I can appreciate the general atmosphere that they create and that bleakness, but I need more than just atmosphere and bleakness. And I feel like that's that's kind of all they do. And I, I'm sort of picking up that you're not that into the, the dissonant side of, of tech death. When you say you like death metal plus something, that something normally isn't dissonance. Correct. So I think weirdly, I am a bigger fan of that sound than you. Like I, I really like Gorguts and Ulcerate and I'm not into all the bands that sound like them, but generally that sound, if it's done well, appeals to me. Whereas I think it doesn't necessarily appeal to you. Artificial Brain, I, I really, I did really like their last album. What was that called? Crimson something? Infrared Horizon, I think. Infrared Horizon. Yeah, I thought that was really good. I mean, people at the blog were raving about it and I it didn't like fully click with me. Like it, it is outside the wheelhouse of, of all the things that I usually listen to, but it was one that I listened to and went, yep, this is good. I understand why people are raving about this. This album's got a similarly ravenous response from <laughs> um, both the blog and- Critical acclaim. Yeah, uh, we had Ahmed review this for Heavy Blog. He said that the album contained the best that the band's brilliant blend of sci-fi horror and dissonant death metal has to offer, condensed into an expertly paced album. And I think I side more with you than Ahmed on this one. This one's not doing it for me anywhere near as much. For a lot of the reasons you said that you've come to terms with, um, <laughs> there's a couple of running themes throughout the, this Tech Death time, I think. Mm-hmm. And a few of them are, uh, are exemplified by this album. One being that the production sounds like shit. And I don't think just tonally, I think it's it's mushy. It's hard to actually listen to and discern. I feel like that's the point. That's what they're aiming for. Um, So like, I agree with you that I don't like it, but I also don't think that's a criticism that would bother them, if that makes sense. Oh, I don't think they'd be bothered by anything I had to say, but um, (laughs) it's definitely a deliberate choice. I mean, this album sounds like it's cover. There's... It's swampy, it's brown and, and green, and there's there's something science fictional there, but I'm not really sure what it is. If only I, really I enjoyed it, it as much as I enjoyed the cover. Are you like the cover? So the cover for me, I'm, I'm looking, I'm like, what is that? It's I don't like know, a but it's cool. A swamp or something. Yeah. It's or like hard a to mech look at. or something. I'm not sure where I'm meant to focus, which, yes, is the same as listening to this album um, a lot of the time. So the, the mix is mush. I think the drums in particular sound like shit. I mean, they've got the, the pongy, brutal um, death metal snare, which so do some of the other bands we're going to talk about but here it just sounds really I don't know I wouldn't have chosen that sound so yes all these things are deliberate aesthetic choices I don't think they're necessarily good ones and the other thing is the vocals so this might be a, a running theme. Yeah, the, the vocals, it's not so much the style of that that gurgly, mm. brutal death metal thing. I just don't think they add anything to the music. They yeah. seem kind of pointless. To the point and, where I wonder if this album would be better as an instrumental record or just an album where the vocals were maybe used more um, sparingly. Yeah, yeah, because they don't they don't really add a lot. And often I find they detract. Often the, the music, especially I think the guitars and the bass playing on this are really great. And there's lots of interesting shifts going going on in the music that I think just get lost between this over the top. Yep. So yeah, I wonder if if they pulled back on it a bit, it might be a bit more rewarding. And I think yep. the times where the vocals do stand out is when I don't know if they have guest vocalists on here or not. There's a couple of moments where the vocals are different. There's one on insects where there's like a spoken vocal. But um, yeah, so I, I sort of like the idea of this, but it's not connecting with me and it's not connecting me with me even in the same way as Infrared Horizon did. Mm-hmm. Um, with the exception of A Lofty Grave, which I think right. is a really cool song that goes more 
into that the atmospheric sort of chill vibe and i think that there's maybe less vocals on that because when i say like if they were used sparingly or if it was instrumental like maybe something like what that blood incantation album was going for but a little more involved right. i think they could have something there and they they get close to it on a lofty grave and apparently uh ahmed agrees because in his review he wrote that where the album really peaks though is a lofty grave to an extent that almost does the rest of the record a disservice grave is simply the best song the band have ever done virtually compressing half an album's worth of ideas into four and a half minutes and while yeah i don't think i'm in agreement with his overall assessment of the album i agree with that 100 percent. and i'd really yeah like them to take that more atmospheric almost subdued angle and and run with it rather than the the brutal dissonant stuff cool yeah i'll i'll re-listen to it because i just listened to it in the album front to back and wasn't paying attention to which track was which so yeah no i i think i could go for an instrumental version of this album if they put it out maybe with a tighter snare <laughs> I'd be interested to hear it. Rare two next color. Let's jump to inanimate existence. Oh, jumping over origin. Yeah, we'll save origin for last in time. Okay. All right. We're gonna start and finish with the big boys. Okay. Tell us about inanimate existence then. So I really enjoyed their first two albums. This is a never-ending cycle of atonement in particular is probably my my favorite release of theirs. I think that was their second one. And Liberation Through Hearing, the debut. Those were both cool and I felt like they were quite innovative at the time using, I guess, tremolo in death metal in a different way to what I'd heard before and integrating some other sort of non-traditional instruments as well. Cool stuff. Then they really lost me with Calling From A Dream, which I felt was quite mediocre. And then since then, they've been in between. Not as strong as the first two, which I really loved, but also serviceable and solid rather than mediocre and subpar. What's your history with them i don't have much of a history with inanimate existence i sort of <laughs> i recognized the name when i saw they had the new album coming out I'm looking over back over their albums yeah calling from a dream i think i remember maybe noyan or someone on the blog uh posting mm-hmm. about i yes. recognize that cover but i <laughs> couldn't recall what it sounded like other than than tech death um i don't think i've listened to their their first two albums at all or even any i think i may have given calling from a dream a listen and went yeah i'm not really feeling it and then i don't know if i've listened to anything else they've done yep so i i checked this album out on like a whim and name recognition. Mm-hmm. And I gotta tell you, Carlo, I bloody well like it. Yeah. Yeah, I think this album is really cool. Um, as you said, there's the the tremolo usage, like the sort of faluja, uh, mm-hmm. faluja, faluja, is that faluja? Faluja. Um, the atmospheric side to it, but it's it's not quite the same. It's not as floaty. It's a bit more techy. Uh, yeah, I think this is here representing sort of a spacey, proggy side of of tech death. Yeah, that I'm I'm quite big on this. This might be one of my favorites of the the tech death group we're doing today. How are you feeling about it? You're smoking there, and I'm wondering <laughs> which way you're going to go. <laughs> I reckon I've listened to this half a dozen times okay. and I still couldn't tell you what it sounds like. It uh, sounds like Fluya. <laughs> it's, just, it's just made like such a basically no impression on me at all. Okay. Uh, there was nothing that grabbed my attention uh, throughout. So, uh, But if you're enjoying it, maybe I need to give it a, a fully devoted listen uh, yeah, without any distractions. I, I would recommend sticking with it because it's. I liked it the first time I listened to it, but it's definitely built on me each time. And yeah, so today yeah. when I was driving around, as I told you, I listened to all of these albums back to back in preparation so I had a, there was a lot of tech death in my ears today <laughs> 
And I, I listened to a couple of the other ones earlier that we'll, we'll get onto. But my first note here was, oh my God, dynamics and melody with a big exclamation. <laughs> um, I think that's what sets it apart from the others because there, there, there is, there's it's lots of variation. And I think even though you're saying it's not standing out to you, to me, there's lots of moments in here that really grabbed my attention. Also in comparison to Artificial Brain, there's still a, a that floaty, fluiness, flu, I keep dropping the, the ya in it, but fluja-ness style to it is uh, balanced out by sort of more, yeah, brutal death metal vocal mm-hmm. style. So not not the gurgle of um, uh, yeah. artificial brain, more in the line of like immolation or something like that. And I think the vocals here, by contrast, really matter and add to the song. So it is mm-hmm. a way to say like, you don't need fancy vocals. Like they're very monotone. They're very, it's the same brutal death metal vocal throughout. They're just used really well. Yeah, I, I my other note besides um, the d- uh, dynamics and melody is this does go on a bit. Like the album is um, longer compared to the ones we're doing today. And I, I don't think it goes on too long, mm. but I do think you could probably cut maybe a track or two off it. Yeah, I think track five, Wondering White Halls, was where I sort of felt, okay, we, we've been doing this for a while. But then the, the next couple of songs are really good. The last song, Ending the Ritual, I don't think adds much. I think that's maybe a, a weaker song on the record. So I think if you cut those two off, which would bring cool. it down to like, yeah, closer to half an hour. It's only 40 minutes long, but it's, you know, tech death. Yep. But yeah, I, I really like this. So I recommend you stick to it. And I recommend our listeners check it out. Sweet. I'll do that. And if you enjoy this, then definitely check out the 2014 album a never-ending cycle of atonement so the first two you reckon what was it about calling from a dream that you didn't like i remember they they had a lot of uh female vocalists on there right and it just didn't seem to fit or it seemed like shoehorned in in general was a bit of a departure from their their earlier two and then i think they sort of came back after that i think that that record in general was quite poorly received oh okay well was noyan not big on it uh yeah he i think he got into a fight with the with one of the band members. Oh, okay. So he was he was posting about it negatively. All right. Well, I'll right, yeah. is this you're saying you can't remember what it sounds like? Is this one more in line with that or more in line with the early stuff? Do you reckon closer to the earlier stuff than okay. that? Yeah. Right. So yes, maybe that album was a misstep in their discography. Because if this is yeah, I think this sounds really cool. All right. Where to next? Let's go for Surreption and Yord. 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 I'm going with Yord. So I've never heard of this band before. Have had you? Uh, yes, I, I listened to their last album, Monument of the End, from 2018, and thought it was pretty good. It didn't absolutely stand out, but I gave it a couple of spins when it came out, thought it was cool, and then saw the name when they put this one out mm-hmm. and was keen to, to check it out. Boy, they sound like Decapitated. <laughs> That's my <laughs> one-sentence review of both, both um, Monument of the End and, and Yord. Um, <laughs> but I think there are differences to be had, but that is the main, if uh, we've gone through, yeah, we and proggy tech death this is this is groovy tech death in the vein yeah. of yeah decapitated to the big ones and and psychoptic things like that um yep. so you as the newcomer how are you feeling about this one uh, it's 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 good it's fine it's not it's not breaking through the fine barrier for me they're clearly very good at their instruments the playing's tight i enjoy it while it's on but when it's done i don't really have a temptation to return to it or it's struggling to differentiate itself from the rest of its subgenre in my opinion yeah I think that's where I've come to on it as well. I mean, initially I was quite high on this. Like when I first listened, I went, yes, yeah, sick riffs, grooves, yeah. love it, right? Yeah. The actual sound hits really hard. Yeah, and I still think this is a good album, but upon revisiting it, it has just sort of fallen away in my estimation, mostly because it's just really samey. It's, yep. it's only 25 minutes long, but it doesn't really go anywhere over those 25 minutes. And the riffs are cool, but even within the songs, they start with a riff and that riff never really varies. They're doing that same riff for the whole song. 
And there's a couple, like, yeah, when I was giving it a really close listen today, there's um, the song Profit, which I think is like track three or four, sounds exactly the same as the first song. Like even within the album, the, the riffs are sounding pretty similar. Right. Um, and I, I've written whatever the song, hang on, oh no, I clicked the wrong button. Ah, that's my thing. Uh, what's it called? A Story Never Told, um, sort of just starts with a riff, chugs that riff for four minutes and then just fades out. Like it never goes anywhere or builds to anything. And I feel like, like that's a particular weaker moment on the album, but it's also sort of a like microcosm of the album itself. It's like mm. cool, but it just does its thing and then it finishes and you're like, oh, okay. You don't, you don't really feel like you've gone anywhere. You're back at the end of the album. You're in the same place you began. I think these guys are, I'd say this is above the fine barrier for me. This is, this is decent to pretty good. They just need like something else to yeah. get them to the point of like your psychroptics and things. Agreed. I did notice like I gave um, some of the tracks off Monument to the end, the, the last album, a quick listen by comparison. It's the same kind of vibe, but immediately the first couple of songs on Monument of the End are way more dynamic. Jord seems to sit in the one mid pace the entire album, whereas right. yeah, Monument of the End has a lot more faster, slower sections. It's a lot more dynamic tempo-wise. The other difference I noticed going the other way is what they've added here are Archfire vocals. Right. You didn't know the, the first song, The Artificial North, starts off and he's doing the... Which I'm noticing a lot of that, that sort of, yeah, scattershot, almost rapping vocal that the dude from Archfire does, which I've definitely noticed just in death metal and tech death in general has like, that's caught on. That's the thing people are playing with at the moment. Yeah. That is definitely here. I don't know if that is the way forward. I think maybe... Yeah, something else. But yeah, this is good. It's solid. But yeah, I think it lacks a bit of staying power. At the risk of wishing a Tech Death album was longer. Yeah, this is <laughs> half an hour long. I think, yeah, if they just <laughs> develop the songs a bit more and then they might have something, yeah, a bit more a bit more substantial. Yeah, agreed. Shall we move on then to Exocrine and Exocrine. the Hybrid Sons? Right. So were you aware of these guys before? Because I came to them on their last album, which do you know what that one was called? I had never listened to them before. No. Ah, okay. Which I think came out of the last year or the year before. Their Maelstrom last album, in Ma- 2020. Yeah, Maelstrom in 2020, which I thought was their de- debut, which may have been just because they signed to Unique Leader. I oh, know the one before that was on Unique Leader as well. So I don't know why. Never never heard of this band or noticed them before. Uh, Maelstrom took my attention, gave it a couple of listens, thought, yeah, this is pretty cool. Didn't really stick with me at all. Same sort of thing, I guess, with Surruption and um, mm-hmm. was the other one, Inanimate Existence. Yep. Where it was a, a name recognition. I was like, oh, yeah, the last one was pretty good. And I checked this out. So you're coming to it fresh. And yes. And I pretty much am as well. So is Exocrine well, doing anything for you, Carlo? Well, I do appreciate a band that spent wastes no time letting you know exactly what they do. How do you <laughs> let someone know that you play tech? Well, you open your record with sweet picked arpeggios at light speed instantly. Yeah, if uh, we've had um, <laughs> we've had prog tech, we've had weird tech, we've had groove tech. This is tech tech. This is the exactly. tech death. Is tech death out there? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I feel like the the vocals have a bit of a deathcore tinge to them but the music is very much yes techie tech death uh, and they go hard and fast the, most of the time and at first I, th- I felt like this was a slightly better version than Surruption but it was still struggling to break through the fine barrier but I'm I'm warming to this one and I think there are some more standout moments that grab me like there's some cool bass solos at times Burning Sand is an absolute fucking banger in the middle of the record and yeah I'm, I'm getting into this. I think I've had a, a very similar trajectory to you because I think this came out a week after Inanimate Existence and, and Yord mm-hmm. Disruption. But I think we got all the promos for them around the same time. So these all came out and this was the one that I just sort of tossed aside and went, oh yeah, check that. And I was really listening to, <laughs> to Disruption and Inanimate Existence to the point where, yeah, every time I've gone to this, I've just gone, yeah, Blast and 
sweeps. It sort of reminds me of, do you know, um, what's that movie that I don't like? Step Brothers with Will, right. Will Ferrell and, and what's mm-hmm. his name, which is a movie I really did not enjoy watching and have quoted almost every day since because of the <laughs> thing about bunk beds allowing so much more room for activities. But also the song in there, that oh, boats and hose. This is, oh, blasts and sweeps. <laughs> That's what's going on here. Oh, yes. Rest in peace to the drummer's limbs and the guitarist's picking hands. Let's just say that. <laughs> yeah. So I wasn't really into this. And then I threw it on today after I left it for last because I was like, yeah, I'm not, not really into that one. Don't know. And I feel like I've been listening to a completely different album. This album <laughs> fucking slaps so hard. Yep. This is good. This is a huge step up from their last one, I think. And um, you were saying Burning Sands, the one for you. For me, Watchtower. Watchtower is the shit. Yeah, this album's great. I, I don't know how, yeah. why it didn't click with me. Like, I must have listened to it, like you said about um, Inanimate Existence, like, yeah, half a dozen times and just never stood out. And then I'm listening to today and every moment is jumping out and grabbing me by the throat. This is wicked. I, I, I have two sort of criticisms or complaints about it. One is production. This album is compressed to all hell. And normally <laughs> that sort of thing, I, it either doesn't bother me or I can't even hear it. But this one, I put it on. I'm just like, oh, everything is just, just squashed. Mm-hmm. I don't know. So it's a little bit too clean as well. But I think I can get past that given how good the, the songs are. The other one is, and I alluded to it before, there are female vocals in the song Dying Light, track two, that are the psychroptic female vocals that they were doing on the last album. Right. Like exactly. I'm wondering, is it that exact vocalist I'm not sure but it really is just oh Psychroptic did this so we're going to do this and it doesn't show up anywhere else in the album and it's just a really they don't really work in the song and they just show up they're like huh what about this and it's like nah <laughs> work, work for Psychroptic not for you so that just seemed like a bit of a um, failed experiment but yeah I was I was blown away by this album today and yeah Watchtower Burning Sand these are these are good songs yeah and I feel like they've got a bit of everything in there there's melody there's groove there's slam you you name it there's something in there for you if you're if you're remotely into tech death. Yeah, um, and a, what like a Final Fantasy boss on the cover or something. <laughs> I don't know if I love the cover, but not the, not the picture, just the like. I don't know why the writing's so little, and then there's the empty space down the bottom, and then something about the spatialness of it mm. is off. But um, yeah, sounds good. So I sounds guess that just leaves indeed. us origin. That's it, Chaos Moss. Chaos Moss. Yes. So I I actually haven't listened to much Origin before, surprisingly. You to any Origin before? Barely, and I just sort of wrote them off maybe five years ago and was like, uh, that's that's not the band for me, but very surface level. What about you? I'm not like a, a huge Origin fan, but I, I do like them. Um, mm-hmm. I came to them with, it's like their fourth album, third or fourth album, um, Antithesis in 2008, which is still like a benchmark album. Like it's not one of my favorites, but it is just, what is the most brutal, abrasive thing you have ever heard? And like, that is, like if I want to freak out the squares, I'm throwing on <laughs> Antithesis because it is just straight up just the fastest picking and the fastest blasting non-stop they don't they do not vary it it's just flat out pedal to the metal the entire time it's good so yeah i don't know if it's the, it's the heaviest album but maybe the most brutal but that and um in the constellation the black widow by anal nathrak are the two where i'm like that is that's a lot <laughs> and then the album after that entity where they sort of took that style but just like added in and get ready for this variation bit of groove they decided like we don't have to go full speed all the time and i, th- I think that album 
is an absolute genre classic. That album's sick. That's the one with Selegia on it, which is their big song that just owns. It's got Swarm. So I really like that album. But then since then, they've put out a few. There was Omnipresent in 2014, which people were raving about when it came out and just did absolutely nothing for me. And maybe if I go back to it, I'd like it, but just completely bounced off that one. And then they had Unparalleled Universe from 2017 that I didn't hear anyone even mention when it came out. It just sort of came and went with without much fanfare. Early Origin is good, but I really don't feel the need to go back to it when Antithesis and Entity exist. Like yeah. Origin, I don't think are a band where I need to listen to everything they've ever done. It's a lot. It's intense yeah. and it's all sort of all of the same mold. So it's those standouts, Antithesis and Entity that really stick out to me. So I wasn't wasn't that, you know, excited for a, a new Origin album. Mm-hmm. But um, do you want me to go first? Or, or yeah, you? take it away. I think this is a good one. Chaosmos, what it does is I think it stands apart from the rest of um, Origin's discography. This is a very different sounding album to them. They've brought in a lot of, yeah, brutal sort of slamming death metal. They've, they've got the snare, but I think the tone is better. I don't think it's as good as Entity or Antithesis, but it gives me another reason to listen to an Origin album. If I want something more brutal death metal leaning, I, I would go to this. Um, yeah, I think it's really good. And I think judging by your caginess and <laughs> smirk that's going on, I think you might agree. What it does is it fucking rips, Josh. This is <laughs> sick. How good? It's pretty good. <laughs> So the like it's 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 like a death grind record really. It oscillates between yes, blasting like you wouldn't believe, or just grooving the fuck out. Oh, and blasting going, sweeps. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the touch point for me here is the last revocation album. Mm-hmm. They had a song that which consumes all things. Yep. And that album as a whole, I thought was cool, but that track I fucking loved. Like that, that was, was one of my favorite. That was one yeah. of my favorite songs of the whole year. And they had like this little breakdown kind of riff in the middle of it, or like a couple minutes in, where it's like da 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 bom 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 da 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 etc. And I feel like Origin have taken that riff and made it twenty percent of this album, and it's so fucking good. Yeah, I got a couple of things to build off what you've said there. That thing that they've taken, I don't know if they've taken it so much from Revocation as they've taken it from Selegia, their their classic song. That thing you've just done, da 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 da, that slow contrast with the like really fast double kick that mm. is what that song is built around and it's taken them like three albums to go you know that song everyone loves <laughs> we just do that <laughs> yeah, the, the first two songs of this album I've, I've written down oh this is Selegia 2 this is Selegia 3 it was like yeah we got, we got an album not an album full of Selegias but an album with multiple Selegias in there and yeah the other thing you were saying Death Grind I've written Decolonizer which award for the greatest song title um, ever uh, which I think is the standout track from this album which it's buried pretty deep in the track list but I've written and this sounds like Dying Fetus and I think the Dying Fetus album Reigns Supreme from 2012 which I think is their best album which they go the other way they from from death grind into more of a tech death um, angle with that album whereas I think Origin those albums are intersecting from different directions mm. um, so if you like Dying Fetus and yeah sort of more modern techier Dying Fetus I think definitely check this album out my one complaint about this album is that the last track does not need to be there which is it's an 11 Heat minute death. song yeah it's just called Heat Death it doesn't really go anywhere and it feels feels like rather than writing a song and being like oh this song needs to be 11 minutes they've been like let's write an 11 minute song and it just sort of waffles on and then nostalgia for oblivion which my note for that is oh yeah the chunk riff um <laughs> but that song like ends it sort of like ends in this sort of breakdowny not like a 
hardcore breakdown, but like the, the music is sort of collapsing in on itself and it sort of feels like a really natural end to the album. And then there's just like 10 minutes of waffle afterwards that then goes into a weird instrumental with water bubbling at the end. I, I think you could cut that song, like even make it its own EP where you actually like develop it into a like a long, brutal tech death song. I think that premise mm. is interesting. Yeah, I, I don't think this is as strong as as um, Entity. Definitely, I recommend going back and checking that out if you're vibing with this. But yeah, it's got mm-hmm. its own identity and I'm, I'm enjoying this. I've been coming back to it a lot more than even older Origin albums that I like just because it has that brutal death sort of uh, personality to it. Yeah, sweet. Probably the last thing I would say is the this is an example where the production is not the type of production that I usually like. It's muddier, gritty Aurora, but it definitely suits the vibe they're going for. Um, and I, I still enjoy it regardless. So that that is your favorite of the uh, five Tech Death headliners we've gone for? Yes. By, sure by a long way, it seems. Are you a big uh, on Exocrine as well? Yeah. No, I did like Exocrine too. Origin's clearly ahead, but they're both good. Yeah. I still think Archaic is the best Tech Death album of the year. Is, is Origin challenging that for you? Um... I think I think it's still archaic. Right. Yeah. I think I need a bit more time with Exocrine just for whatever reason, but now you're making me rethink. I'm like, nah, decolonizer. <laughs> Although going into this, I probably would have said, yeah, Inanimate Existence is the one that's really jumping out for me. Whether it's the best, I think it might be the most interesting. But yeah, that's a, a good collection of Tech Death that came out last month, along with, I just threw them in at the last minute, uh, a couple of, of relevant supports because we had uh, Rings of Satin dropped a self-titled EP. They surprise released it in the last week of June. Um, you any interest in Rings of Saturn at all? Not really. No. I'm assuming people listening know who Rings of Saturn are, but if you don't, they're the tech death band that sound like a pinball machine and <laughs> maybe can or cannot play their instruments, but who really cares? Yeah, they, they were a bit of a, what, like a, we'd say a meme band now, but yeah. like a trendy band among deathcore circles and things. I wrote them off initially, but then I, I really liked their 2014 album, Lugal Kien, which is just like insane. So I like that. And then since then, they've sort of slowed things down. I, I haven't been that interested interested this mm-hmm. one's weird this is an instrumental half hour long ep that sounds like like chip tune stuff like none of it sounds like real instruments oh. which i think is kind of interesting and in that like their whole thing is we can't play our instruments it's all shit so they've lent into that which i'm totally fine with if they just want to go here's some insane shit that we've composed rather than played yeah so, yeah it's got like a like a super nintendo kind of sound to it and is like brutal tech death done in in chip tune sounds but with occasional like trap interludes right and not like good or interesting <laughs> ones not like ones where it's like oh and then it goes into this traction it'll just sort of there'll just be a trap bit for like 10 minutes and then they'll go back to blasting so it's not I don't think it's very good but it is kind of interesting it does feel like just a thing that they've just been doing maybe in in lockdown or whatever just to play around with and they've put it out but I think it's like the more they lean into that weird like robotic way the the more I think I'm I'm interested in them rather than them trying to be a genuine tech death band the other one that I threw in here at the last minute is an album called Witch Den spelt with two so that's Vivich Den by the band called Vermilion Dawn uh, who I'd never heard of I think they, they had some previous albums uh, but I think it was Trent and Calder were raving about this and put it up for the like best albums of the first half of the year voting that we're doing at the moment and things it's cool I don't think it's as good as maybe any of the albums that we've covered today but the interesting spin they give on it is there's sort of a, a hardcore vibe to it where they'll right. it's, it's got sort of like a proggy space like yeah sci-fi tech death sort of vibe to it and then like the vocalist will just go and then they'll like go into like a not quite a breakdown (laughs) but sort of a like a slow yeah of like a snapping sort of tempo 
change. And I think right. if they lent into that a bit more, be, it might be interesting. Here, it's just sort of bits and pieces where it's like, oh, the idea of something's there, but I don't know if they're fully built on it. But yeah, maybe one to keep an eye on that I will talk more with Trent about next time. So that is all the tech death. Shall we get into some more subdued special guests? Yeah. So why then you choose the order this time? Who are we um, going with? Let's go with Dragged Under first. Yep, Upright right. Animals. Upright Animals by Dragged Under. An album I was very much looking forward to among my uh, most anticipated albums of the year because Dragged Under are a relatively new band mm-hmm. who put their debut, The World Is In Your Way, out in 2020. And I fucking loved that album. So for people unfamiliar, this is sort of like they're, they're a pop punk band, but like a mix yep. between pop punk and or I'd say on that album, they were foremost a melodic hardcore band with pop punk elements. And maybe mm-hmm. that balance has shifted on this one. So yeah, big melodies, but a lot more edge and and aggression to them compared to bands yep. you think about that. And The World Is In Your Way, not only did I really like it, it was, a I think, a very important album for me at the time it came out, not in the history of music, but just in my personal experience. I was going through mm-hmm. a big funk um, around that time, around the last half of 2019, where I was really sort of, nothing in music was really grabbing me the way it normally did. Um, and there were two things that sort of brought me back in, not that I was ever fully out, but reignited my, my passion rather than my interest. Yep. One was going to the uh, Good Things Festival, which was I, I was in Brisbane, actually. My my now ex-partner had a conference there that she was at for a week. And I said, well, why don't I go with you and we'll hang out in, in the Gold Coast. I, I wanted to go to Movie World, which I did <laughs> twice. <laughs> Once while she was, because uh, we got the three-park super pass, so you get out three and then you get one bonus. So one day while she was at the conference, I just went to Movie World by myself. Nice. Coasters. It was sick. Um, <laughs> but then I had I had another day where she was at the conference and I didn't have anything to do. And it lined up with uh, the Good Things Festival was on in Brisbane. So I took, I think it was like a two, two or three hour public transport, like train and bus ride from where we were staying in the Gold Coast up to Brisbane. I did it the last second. I was like, oh, I don't know. It's far away. I'm like, fuck it. I got nothing else to do. Bought a ticket the night before, took a two hour train and went and saw it was Trivium, Carnival, That Is Murder. That was Trivium on Sin and the Sentence as well, which was fun. Bad Religion nice. played, which I didn't realize how like... They were one I walked past a bunch and was just like, I know this song. I know this song. <laughs> uh, and then headlined a day to remember they were all right. But uh, yeah, Parkway Drive headlined that. And, and Parkway Drive are a band who are very special and important to me. So seeing them headline a festival was just really cool. So that really got me back in. And then The World Is In Your Way, because we're talking about Dragged Under, remember? That dropped like in the first couple of weeks of 2020. And just I had it on repeat for like a month. Just really brought me back into like, oh yeah, music can be fun. Like I put The World mm-hmm. Is In Your Way on. I'm like, I feel good now. I'm having a good time loving it and I think it yeah it ended up being in my top five for that year so don't think um, that album was as pivotal for you as it was for me but uh, you enjoyed it I believe I think I heard of it through you raving on about it mm-hmm. all the time um, I was doing that and yeah I echo a lot of your thoughts it's just really fun really catchy and it made my I think I had it 13th in my album of the year list so not my usual genres of choice but yeah it's a, it's a great record is Upright Animals a great record what do you think I'm asking you. I asked first. <laughs> well, at first, I was quite disappointed. Uh, and I felt like Upright Animals was bland and generic and lacking a lot of the energy that I loved so much with The World Is In Your Way. Mm-hmm. Um, but the more I listen to it, the more I'm starting to flip that opinion. There are just a few choruses here and there that were dragging me back in, make, saying, all right, give it another go, give it another go. And yeah, on each listen, I'm enjoying it more and more. I still don't 
enjoy it as much as the previous one, but it's getting there. Yeah, no, the answer is no. This is not a great album, but it's all right. It's it's decent. I, th- I think I've had, yeah, again, the same sort of tractor with you. The first time I listened to this, did not like it. I was mm-hmm. like, oh, this isn't isn't what I wanted, because as I blatantly alluded to earlier, here it's flipped. They are now a pop punk band with occasional melodic hardcore bits. The big touch points for The World Was In Your Way are, um, I mean, some 41 when they're being thrashy, yep. tooth uh, when they're at their heaviest. I heard a lot of um, like Let Live and Every Time I Die in there as well. And like even a bit of new metal, some like Rage Against the Machine style riffing. A lot of that here is really pulled back to accentuate the, the pop punk elements. And like, maybe it's just a taste thing. I think they're way better at being an aggressive band with choruses than they are at being a, a pop punk band with occasional aggressive bits. The mm. worst parts of this album is when they go full pop punk. So I think there, there was the song Never Enough, which is the one where they're like, you tell me to grow up, but I'll never grow up and I'm not going to grow up and, and all of that. And yeah, my note for that is I'll grow up. <laughs> it's, it's really, <laughs> it's just like, you're better than this. Any pop band could have written that song. They, they didn't need to. So I didn't like that. There's another one later on as well. Yeah, No Place, which is like the, oh, I hate my hometown pop punk song again. I think they just, they didn't need to do that. And I think the last song, This Is The End, is is quite terrible. And those are the three moments where they really lean into the pop punk stuff. And what they lean into on This Is The End is the woes. Did you notice the Imagine Dragon style woes all over this album? <laughs> They were uh, not the first album. There is a song called Supper, which to me sounds like their attempt to make Chelsea part two, uh, which Chelsea was the big sing-along standout from the from the first album. I think Suffer's an okay song, but yeah, there's a lot of moments on here where it feels a bit cynical. It feels a bit, yeah, manufactured rather than the first album, right. which just felt like, felt like this just quick blast of just passion and, and energy. I mean, I agree. There, there's bits about it that sort of catch me and mm. I go, okay, I want to go back to that. I think the first, well, no, the, the first single they released from it, I think was all of us, uh, which I think is by far the best song on the album. And that's the only one that I think really matches the energy of the earlier stuff. But I think they released that even as just a, like a standalone single before they announced it. The second song they released when they, they announced the album was Brainwash Broadcast, which mm-hmm. has become one of my favorite songs on the album. But this this sort of speaks to another thing about there are, there are some very generic, meaningless folk, uh, lyrics all over this. Like, I have not paid all, attention to the lyrics at all. Well, I mean, the song's called Brainwash Broadcast. So they're just like, yeah, let's tune in to the, the Brainwash Broadcast and we're all sheep and all of that. And it's it's definitely a song that, that could be talking about Fox News or it could be talking about whatever, MSNBC or whatever. It's a very generic, like, we're angry at the man, but we're not actually saying anything pointed. Yeah, um, I think that song's quite good. That's It has grown on me. Spencer from Under Oath shows up and lends it a bit of grit towards the end. He's been getting around lately. He's on, there's a new song by Sleeping With Sirens. Right. Them, yep. Who I had no interest in Sleeping With Sirens, but I checked out that song. It's like a duet back and forth between, like, he, he's sings through the whole song he's like a second vocalist on it and it's way heavier and it it kind of works so i'm maybe interested to check that album out next month for a an uncool people section but you won't be here so you don't have to worry <laughs> about it but the other the other one that stood out to me in relation to that was uh long live the king which is like the man and and long live the king and i'm under your oppression man it's like you could be singing about anyone and mm. i think that's what they're going for but that again speaks to the sort of manufactured vibe of this there's things written here where they don't seem to be coming from a personal place they're just things for the maximum amount of people to yell along with at a festival right but, but in that sense I, th- I think this works there's probably yeah three or four songs here that i take and throw in with the stuff from the first album and you got yourself a pretty rock solid yeah festival set so interested to see where they go but i would like them to bring back a bit more of the intensity on the on the next album yeah agreed cool what's next what's next i'm in charge aren't i 
You sure are. Uh, I want to go to Weed from Within with right. their album that I don't know what it's called. Shrine. Shrine. Is that really, really called Shrine? That is a terrible album title. Uh, yeah. Now, that's you're what right, it's called. but Shrine. There's not even a song on that called Shrine. Why is it called Shrine? Just looking at the songs. Death to Find would be a better album title. None, none of these are good album uh, song titles. I'm just looking through it. Anyway, Lead from Within, a band that have, have sort of um, raised their profile quite a bit over their last few releases. They've been around for a while. Mm-hmm. I was sort of aware of them in the early days of their career and listened to them and went, yeah, I, they just seem like a lesser version of, of the metalcore thing that I'm into but then i think you and i were both very big on their what is the year 2018's era yes era from 2018 which i loved it's so Uh, good yes um so i was i was big on that album which the the elevator pitch on that one for me was what if architects played thrash metal i think it was pretty pretty wicked Mm -hmm. uh then we had fracture from 2020 which i reviewed for the site and i i didn't write down specifically what i wrote about it but an album that seems to have been better received and more popular received than era but i was not as big on it I think that the first two and the last two songs were wicked and everything in between sort of mushed together and I had a big problem with the production where it was concussive to the point of listening to it gave me a, a literal headache um, yep, I remember you yeah and then they, they actually just they, there's too much going on in these songs they it wasn't they weren't as defined as the stuff on um, on Era although having said that songs like The End of All We Know and Utopia just those are some of the best songs they've ever written so yeah looking forward to Shrine so yeah my background was pretty Pretty similar. Era was the first time I'd come across them. Thought it was sick. Fracture I also enjoyed, but not to the not to the same extent. Um, it was past the fine barrier. It was good, but not not making my list. Uh, whereas yeah. Era was right up there. I don't think I made my my list for that year either. And I kept expecting to go back to it and have it grow on me, and it I just didn't. Mm. Um, but I, I was looking forward to this one. So and, what do you I'll, think of this one? Well, when we were putting this together and, and we first started listening to the albums, you. You messaged me and said, "Is this is this played for within our many good?" And I think I don't know. <laughs> sort of the answer to that. Like it's all right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's okay. If I was Bleed From Within, I would be very annoyed at me for what I'm about to say. Because having come off Fracture and gone, this is, whoa, this is way too much. Settle down, Beavis. To come to Shrine, this, this isn't enough. <laughs> this, there's not enough going on on this album. And they'd be like, well, what do you want? We're going too hard. You say, we were going to, now this one's not enough. And the answer is, error. Just do error again. <laughs> like that was, that was perfect. Yeah, just so that you can criticize them and say there's not enough variation. We've heard this before. Nah, nah I'll take <laughs> error part two. This one kind of is. I mean, this definitely pulls back from like there are moments on Fracture that were bordering on extreme metal I think the last song A Depth That No One Dares ends with like this big like abrasive black metal sounding tremolo and screech thing there's nothing like that on here this sounds okay so here's every song on Shrine you've got an Architect's riff you've got a Parkway Drive style verse and you've got a uh, While She Sleeps style chorus repeat and that is Shrine that is the 12 tracks on Shrine besides Sky which is a minute long intro to stand down for no reason um, I don't think it ever doesn't work yeah, I don't but, think it doesn't work yeah I mean I I'm ranting here. Are you, are you you're nodding along. You're on the same page. I'm on the same page. I think I, I think I do enjoy this one more than I enjoy Fracture. Oh, okay. But it is still not as good as Era. And so again, it's it's past the fine barrier. But I'm not sure. I can't really get a gauge on how far past the fine barrier is it. Okay. I think the 
this one is is sitting pretty firmly on my fine barrier. I mean, I, I definitely think this is a weaker album than Fracture. Like, yeah, there's nothing on here anywhere close to the end of all we know as as just a big song. Of that combination of Architects, Parkway, and While She Sleeps, I think they're pretty good at the Architects part. Like we were saying, uh, I was saying that Era mm-hmm. sounds like Architects playing thrash metal. I think there's still that vibe here. I was kind of disappointed that Josh Middleton from Silosis, when he joined Architects, didn't really bring anything to their sound. It seems like he's really yep. more of a hired gun. Although having said that, maybe he just, he already has Silosis, so he doesn't need to play thrash metal with he's an architect. So, um, yeah. whereas here, this does sound closer to me of like what he might sound like if, if he were an architect, if you put that on paper. I mean, the first song, I Am Damnation, the main riff sounds like animals. I'll have to go back to it. but That style yeah. of riff. So much like with the Drag Under thing, it's sort of, I'm looking at this going, like you are just getting the big metalcore bands and mushing them together. And when it works, I think it's great. Um, but yeah, where I think they fall down is on the While She Sleeps side of things. I don't think the choruses on this are big or good enough or catchy enough. Yeah, they're, the riffs hit really hard. Some of the verses, if they get you going and then it hits the chorus and it feels like it just, the energy drops away. There's right. one song, what's the one with the big choir? Yeah, Levitate. Everything about that song is awesome except the chorus, which is this big, like very architect sounding with, with the symphony behind it and everything. Floaty architects chorus that would have been on the last album. And that just sounds really cheesy to me. But then around it is this like sick thrashy riffs. There's a really awesome melodic solo and there's a massive breakdown at the end with all these pinch harmonics through it. Mm. Um, but yeah, then the, the chorus comes in and just kind of pulls that out. And I, I think for the most part, the stuff in the first half is pretty decent. The first like three or four or five songs. But then the second, it's like they have that instrumental in the middle and then they just repeat and there's sort of like lesser versions of those earlier songs all throughout the, the last part of the album. Have you seen the video for the track Stand Down? No. Right. Doing this podcast is also telling me how much attention I pay to videos, which I didn't think was a thing I did, but I'm always going, have you seen that video? Um, the video for Stand Down is them playing in a circle and there's like riot police and they're angry at the riot police and they're, they're rocking at them, but mm-hmm. it's like one riot guy and he just stands there and he doesn't do anything. So, you know, there's the, the Foo Fighters video, the Pretender, where there's yeah. the wall of cops and they all yeah. run and they stalk this. There's just one dude, <laughs> like they, these five, like an entire band with equipment and shit, like yelling, and he's just there, like one guy holding a pussy little shield. And then they don't fight at the end. Yeah, I kept waiting for That's like, well, we're going to get the it? breakdown and they're all going to pile on this guy. No, nah, they just sort of, it just ends. And I feel like that is, yeah, a microcosm for, for the album itself. Well, like I'm looking at the video now and there seems to be half a dozen police guys. It's, it's not a wall. <laughs> what I'm saying is I reckon it's they more can take more than one a- guy, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. At the end, I think there's a, like one guy walks up. Whatever. What I'm getting at is, I, I think this is uh, this album's a bit of a bark over bite. Yeah, it, it is growing on me. The more I go back to it, I'm like, oh yeah, okay. I think maybe yes, I'm more of a fan of Era than I am of um, Lead From Within. That's probably fair. Now, th- those two bands uh, albums were were bands you liked, but were primarily things I was looking forward to more. So I think uh, we're now mm-hmm. going to switch gears because I think we're going to go to Thornhill with Heroin. Mm-hmm. Now, Thornhill are one of those bands. A like semi-proggy metalcore band from Australia. They're sort of a crossover with the the Ozprog movement. Mm-hmm. But they're one of those bands like Northlane, and maybe this is more because was we're in the middle of it. We come from Melbourne, Australia, where all these bands are from. But it seems like these bands are everywhere. They're like a dime a dozen or whatever. And it is an absolute crapshoot. Like which ones break through and which ones don't. Mm-hmm. Like I don't understand why um, Northlane and why Thornhill are bigger than than all the other ones. I, I don't get it, but they are. And Northlane have been around for a while. Thornhill broke through. This is their second album, I believe. Yes. Second album. Do you know what their first album was called? The Dark Pool. 
the dark pool, which I believe Eden was really big on, which surprised me because it definitely leans more in that that metalcore gent vein than the proggy stuff. But you you also said you were you liked that album. Yeah, I think it was one of the better genty metalcore records of that year for me. And I think the the vocalist has had an interesting voice, it's a bit different to I guess what the usual fare, and the music was good, so I was into it. Yeah, and, and that album was like pretty big for a given value of big, like mm. within circles that pay attention to genty proggy metalcore. I saw that album everywhere on like end of year lists and things. Mm-hmm. I listened to it and thought it was all right, um, but again, didn't didn't understand why they were the breakthrough one. Whereas I was back raving about that Decidia band that you and Ian told me uh, crap actually. <laughs> and I'm like, but but I like this one. <laughs> anyway, all of that is sort of beside the point because we're here with Heroin in 2022, mm-hmm. and this may as well be a completely different band. And that band is called Deftones. This is a Deftones album. This sounds like Deftones. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. Um, do you like it? <laughs> this is not a style that I usually listen to. If I do feel like this style, I'm just going to listen to Deftones, yep. not Deftones Light. And I, at first I agreed that it sounded nothing like their past stuff. But then when I listened more closely, there are songs where musically it's quite similar to A Dark Pool, but the vocals have definitely aped Chino Moreno the entire way through. Um, and I think that and makes it feel more different than perhaps it actually is. But yeah, it, like it's fine but it's it's not doing a huge amount for me this one because you, you're saying yeah the vocals are the thing that really draw that comparison the vocals were the thing that stood out about the first album that sort of set them apart from that gent metalcore realm so mm. i'm not really sure yeah why they've got in this direction it seems to be working for them again i'm seeing this album get rave reviews i have seen it everywhere it seems to be working for them but as you right. said I'd, I'd rather just listen to deftones yeah and it is interesting because you know lots of bands are influenced by by deftones this is strange because i think it's very specifically influenced by Saturday Night Wrist, um, which is generally considered one of, if not the worst Deftones album that no one really talks about. It sounds a lot like that and a lot like Koinari Yurikin. So sort of the, that th- those three albums from, if you put Diamond Eyes in the middle there, which yeah, is not the aspect of Deftones you, you really hear influence people. So that sort of sets it apart. But yeah, I, I don't think I like this as much as Saturday Night Wrist, which no, Gore is my least favorite Deftones album, but Saturday Night Wrist just by default is probably among, among the weaker ones. And, and I definitely prefer prefer that to this. I mm. probably, yeah, I prefer Gore. I think Gore's an album I really don't like. There's a really quite nasty review I wrote about it floating around there out there <laughs> that I was probably a bit harsh, but I think even that just has more interesting moments on it. What, what is the point of this album? I don't know, man. Like, I, I, know. I just imagine whoever whoever the singer is walking into the studio when they're jamming, he's like, hey guys, I just heard of this band. Have you heard of this band called Deftones? And everyone's <laughs> like, what? No, whoa. And then he busts out a copy of Saturday Night Wrist and he's like, check this out. And it has to be a copy of Saturday Night Wrist because if you'd heard other Deftones album, they'd rip that off. Like, why rip off Saturday Night Wrist when you could whip off White Pony? Worked for Lincoln Park. <laughs> but they, um, having said that, I, I think it gets more interesting and better in the second half when it moves away from that Deftones sound a bit more. There's a song called Casanova, which is a bit heavier. It's got more, and this is sort of a backhanded compliment because it's going to sound, it sounds more like Loathe, uh, but my big criticism of Loathe is they just sound like Deftones. But I guess it's moving into that, that heavier, bouncier, it's got more of a metalcore yep. vibe to it. There's that. And then there's a, there's another song at the end that I... Oh, Raw. Raw's really cool because we hit Raw and they go fully Don Broco. Yeah. The start of Raw sounds like Gum Shield. It does. And it also sounds like uh, that Ocean Grove album that I keep telling you to listen to. No, I did check oh, yeah? that out. What, yeah. what did you think of Rhapsody Tapes? Yeah, I thought it was cool. I didn't fall in love with it, but... Um... Cool barrier. Is that just that one above the fine barrier? That's your backup? <laughs> <laughs> In case something gets through the fine barrier, it's going <laughs> to... 
can get up, get through the cool barrier. Yeah. So there's some interesting stuff at the end, but they really, they really front load that, um, that Deftones stuff. And then we get to Varsity Hearts and it's like, oh yeah, but back to Deftones. Okay. Mm. Uh, the other thing that I think is just stopping it from being like, oh, I like Deftones. So I like this is the thing they do mix with Deftones is the Radiohead Whale. And I cannot stand the Radiohead Whale. I haven't listened to enough Radiohead to know. So I think Valentine is the song I've written down as the, the key example of it, but it's just that mumbly uh, vocal. And, right. and I hate that. <laughs> so <laughs> you're going to add something to Deftones. I would, I mean, for a lot of people, I'm I think Radiohead meets Deftones sounds like, yeah, wet dream, but I would prefer um, we keep. Uh, We're not cool enough for that, people. Away. I've tried with Radiohead and I, I don't get it. I don't get it. Okay. Well, that, that seemed like a bit of a bummer. It was. We were mixed on the first two. We were pretty, pretty down on that one. Uh, so let's keep the bummer train rolling with Billy Howardell and what normal was. Because before we even get into uh, into uh, what this album sounds like or anything, this is this is a sad album. <laughs> <laughs> the vibes on this, man. <laughs> This is mm-hmm. a bummer of a record. We're talking about what normal was. Are we the, the first solo record from the a perfect circle guitarist main man, but maybe the second one if we count the band that was mostly just him anyway? Yeah, we'll, we'll say it's the second. What's that band called? I always think it's Aeon Spoke, but that's the Cynic guys. Ashes Divide. Ashes Divide, which speaking of cool people, so we, we did the um, a playlist swap a while back and I discovered this really cool band called Ashes Divide and I was going to put them in the playlist swap that I did with you and blow your mind and be like, hey, fucking get a load of this. I've never heard of these guys. And then you're about like, oh yeah, cool. This is the only one I'd heard of before. <laughs> I really like it. I'm glad Josh checked it out. I'm like, damn you, Carlo. <laughs> Why do you insist on being cooler than me? <laughs> uh, but that Ashes Divide album, which is essentially a Billy Howardell solo album, I really liked it. You really liked it. It was good. Yeah, it's so good. One of my favorite alt-rock albums. Oh, I don't know if I'd go that far, but yeah, I was impressed. For me, A Perfect Circle, I, I am a big fan of. At least their, their first two albums, Murder Noms and 13th Step, are. they would be in my my top 30 top 50 albums big like sort of uh form, formative albums when i was growing up mm. and just developing my own taste love those i wasn't big on on eat the elephant that was the last one yeah except for buying down which is easily the best song in the album but then you like the rest of it except for buying down was that correct uh something like that yeah yeah something like that so that's our that's how billy howard our vibes <laughs> as as i've alluded to this is a very different sounding album it is so gone uh much of the alt rock vibes and instead we have Ulva synth synth wave synth rock Ulva Billy Howardell style Ulva's an interesting comparison and I definitely see that now you've mentioned it yeah their, their new stuff I mean it's that, that post-punk thing that is everywhere at the moment I, you've again you've outcalled me because Ulva is a, is a very cool reference to go to <laughs> my over and down is last year out of nowhere seemingly uh, there was a one-off concert in the UK I think it was the Smiths fronted by Rick Astley <laughs> <laughs> Which, yeah, retrospective nominee and possible winner of the Who Asked for This Award of 2021. Um, By all reports, lots of people went and said it was real good. Like, they didn't (laughs) sing. It was a fun night. Those songs are good. Morrissey wasn't there. So that's what this album album sounds like. Rick Astley wannabe singing Smith's covers. Um, I don't like this, Carlo. (laughs) I hate this album. (laughs) I'm so, so disappointed. (laughs) I think this album is great. I really like it. I thought you might like it. 
I did initially feel like it was one paste and samey. Mm-hmm. So I, <laughs> your face is telling me that you're thinking very much hard the agree, same. Hard agree. Yeah. Um, and whilst I have come round and I'm I am enjoying it, I do think some added variety wouldn't have gone astray here, and it could use with a bit more energy at times. But I I really like the vibe that he's going for, and I mean, yeah, if you like synth rock type stuff or think Ulva with a bit more alt rock guitar in there, then check it out. The characterization of this as synth rock. I don't think there's much rock in here. I don't think there's, I don't hear any alt rock guitars almost. This is closer to, to synth pop or just straight up new wave to me. Yeah, new wave is fair, but I think whilst the synths are the dominant instrument, mm-hmm. there is still a fair bit of guitar in there. Okay. Um, like it may not be, I mean, rock is even a bit of an ambiguous term though, isn't it? It doesn't, it may not be rockin', but <laughs> well, even there, I just, there's rock elements. Yeah, I, I for me, I would categorize this, yeah, closer, closer to new wave electronic sort of stuff. I mean, the only time I think Poison Flowers, I wrote down, there's a section in the middle that kind of sounds a perfect circle-ish, and that's the only time that really jumped out to me, but it was because of the electronics, like it reminded me of Eat the Elephant rather than mm-hmm. the other stuff. I mean, I haven't actually been back to Ash's Divide to see like how much of a continuation there is between these albums, but it just feels like Not such a different world. Yeah, It's basically, they, he's done a Thornhill. Uh, yeah, yeah. And, and whilst I would say it has not worked for Thornhill, it has worked for Billy, in my opinion. Well, the other reason I wanted to push back is you're like, if you want more of this, this sound is everywhere at the moment so many bands are doing the sound and this i'm i'm very over this like i don't think anyone's really doing anything interesting with it in terms of like blending it with rock or anything and i i certainly don't think this is i mean the over comparison is really interesting but this isn't i don't think this is anywhere near as good as those last two over albums and i didn't really love the last one but the julius caesar one is like miles above this yeah uh i don't know Okay. Like, <laughs> well, that is my opinion. <laughs> I wasn't as big on the Julius Caesar one as a lot okay. of others. I, I probably do prefer it to this, but it's not a massive gap for me. And the, the other reference point I wrote down here, apart from that the brief moment that reminds me of Perfect Circle, is the song, I think it's called Follow, Follower, reminded me of mid-period Paradise Lost, which I quite like. But the album Host by Paradise Lost, which is seen as their like disgraceful album where they went synth pop 20 years before all the extreme metal bands that they grew up with. <laughs> started doing the same thing. Yeah, secretly the most influential album of the last like three or four years. But like, I mean, Deaf Heaven are doing this crap and I didn't like that Deaf Heaven album, but I think it's way more interesting and, and better executed than this. You're right about that. I think the variation, the plotting, like I think I wrote mm. in, in terms of surreption, I wrote down, oh, I could go with a tempo change and I feel the same with this. It's just that yeah. plod. Until you get to the penultimate track, which I've just got written here because I've got the promo files. It's just called EXP, is it? I don't know. Whatever track nine is, changes it up, but it goes into like, weird like almost like new age flowery chant stuff and I was like oh I don't know if I don't know if I wanted this change and then it fades out and feels like a pretty like natural end for the record and then we get this song Stars now Stars Carlo Stars has the Halloween theme that makes it happy do you know what I'm talking about you give it give me uh, like, <laughs> is it because I'm shit talking this album you really like <laughs> And I'm trying to listen to it to refresh my memory. Stars, like, that's the Halloween theme. But then he puts like a major key after it, a major note after it, makes it sound uplifting. Yeah. Yeah, I could take or leave that one. I would definitely have left Stars. I think that is, with, along with that Northlane song about turning into a battery, um, I think Stars and... and yeah, <laughs> battery Star- and Alice in Chains are going to haunt you this whole year. Yes. <laughs> Still haven't gotten over it. <laughs> have, you, have you heard the new Greg Prusciato album? Speaking of people who have done this sound better. I haven't. Oh, I, I want to check it out. I've done that thing where I rearranged the track list, but now I can't stop listening to it. And I listened to it four times in one day the other day. <laughs> 
okay. <laughs> it's very good. Um, but the connection there is, it sounds like this, and it sounds like Alice in Chains. They're the two modes it has. So yeah. It's both good. things that I love. Yeah. But yes, I was a be- beautiful mistake is the song that I think just breaks me when I get to that at track five. I'm like, oh, come on. So that stars and the battery song, I think are the most suffering I've had to do for this podcast so far. <laughs> or m- maybe that Blood Incantation album. Rather a, a negative roundup, at least from my end on, on the special guest front here. Carlo reckons, uh, go check out um, Billy Howard Owen. But let's flip the tables because we are- Tables are turning. This is a very special episode of um, the Heavy Blog Ruby Pod. We have a very special cool slash uncool people time with Coheed and Cambria's Vaxus 17, The Waking Mirror, Mind World, whatever the fuck it's called. The new Coheed and Cambria album with its Ender's Game movie poster ass album art. You have said before, you are not a big Coheed and Cambria fan you don't like his voice that's right that's about the beginning and end of it pretty much like musically i've always thought they were pretty cool but there was just something about his voice that put me off i think i tried an album maybe four or five years ago and a few songs here and there from their back catalog before Uh prior to that and yeah nothing nothing had really resonated for me so i'd written this off as a band that is not for me and don't bother listening to them until you came along and forced me to listen to it i have (laughs) you tried to get away you you, you had to take the week off and you went back in time and made a Dell buy all the vinyl, but I, I wasn't letting you, you get off this <laughs> because the story of 2020 for me until the new Greg Pusciato album came along and, and gave it some reprieve is the story of me falling back so hard in love with Coheed and Cambria because I, I was a, a semi-large Coheed and Cambria fan from about the mid-period where, you know, they became popular and everyone likes them with the good Apollo records and things. But where I differ from the Coheed and Cambria canon is that I fucking love Year of the Black Rainbow, which is the album they followed up their big records from 2010. That is seen as as some that's the host to make the Paradise Lost compa- uh, comparison of their catalogue. That's when they, they signed to a major label, they got a new drummer, and they put out this basic rock record. They weren't cool anymore. And this is one of those albums where I listen to it and I'm like, why am I not meant to like this? And it's like, oh, well, the songs are, they're shorter and they're tighter and they're, they've got like techier drums and heavier riffs and more rocking choruses. And I'm like, uh-huh. So I love, I love Year of the Black Rainbow and I really love the Afterman the first Afterman album they put after that but then yeah sort of dropped off the band because I didn't really like the second Afterman album and then they did the, the album that was not a Coed and Canberra album that didn't have their big weird story Color Before the Sun that was like an acoustic pop rock album did not care for that and then they I made a that return that was my introduction yeah well that that is understandable because not only is I don't think that's very good there are people who like that album but um, it is not representative at all of their sound more representative of their sound is the album the first Vaxis album of which there are apparently like seven or nine planned or something. Who fucking knows? I've tried so hard. I've re- I've tried to read the comics. I've tried to look up online like summaries of the story. I even started listening to a podcast that goes through track by track and explains the story of the songs. And I had to bail because I went in on the, the Year of the Black Rainbow songs because I'm like, they're the ones I like. And these guys, they'll get it. They'll be like, yeah, these songs are good. They just shit talked all my favorite songs and said they were awful. So I rage quit that. Um, <laughs> oh, the point is, none of it makes any sense. And it all sounds dumb and boring but they made a return to their big sci-fi prog thing with the first Vaxis album Unheavenly Creatures from 2018 which mm-hmm. has like like the um, Dragged Under album has like three or four really good songs on it problem with this album Carlo is it is 15 songs long and it's like an hour and 20 it's it's so long of like Coheed prog so mm-hmm. I was not at all excited for Vaxis 2 when it came around because I did not want any more of that shit but what they have done with Vaxis 2 is they've cut like a third of the album 
like this one's only 50 minutes which that sounds long that's twice the length of the the surruption album or whatever but it's <laughs> like 75% of what the last Korean album and they've just packed it full of bangers was, they got the bangers and they put them in the banger funnel and they just stomped it down <laughs> this is a completely different sounding album to to the first one Carlo this is one of the best albums of the year I fucking love it I can't stop listening to it it's so good <laughs> Okay. Breathe, Having got Josh. that off my chest, Breathe. the cool thing about this for me is like every song almost has like its own different genre that they're doing. Like there's a big stadium rock song. There's like a club song. There's some pop punk songs. It's just, they're going wild and it's sick. And I will talk more about that, but I, I need to know, is this, is this rocking your socks? Are they on? Did they get rocked off? <laughs> <laughs> Are you wearing socks? <laughs> I can confirm I'm wearing socks right oh, now. Oh no, That's, um, that look is bleak. <laughs> so you did force me to listen to this uh-huh. and I was wondering why you would do that and then I realized that you would do that because this album's fucking sick yes! and it is full of baggers <laughs> it's so full of baggers let's, let's get it out of the way how good is bad man is bad man the best song of 2022 <laughs> uh, hang on let me re-listen to it quickly it's the one that is the auto-tuned shaft theme about Darth Vader I don't know about the best song of 2022 <laughs> it's good it's uh, so good for two reasons one as I said it is a it is like an auto-tuned 70s club banger about being a badass except that badass is like a space lord so it's like who sings songs about being cool in clubs I don't know it's like it's like a pitbull rapping about time for a reason yeah yeah we're not cool enough Point. Well, I was going to say Chris Brown is the thing. And then I was like, oh, not Chris oh, yeah. Brown, but then also maybe Chris Brown. Because, yes, the one asterisk next to Coed and Gambrier is he's not great about his depictions of women. And he likes to, all these characters sort of end up killing their girlfriends who get fridged and all this stuff. And there's a lot of stuff about that. So when there was a song called Bad Man, he was like, oh, I'm a bad man. Because I have a song called Iron Fist that's about a guy like punching his girlfriend in the face, which, like, I think he's meant to be the villain, but it's literally just a song describing an assault. So when I was like, yeah, Bad Man, I was like, wait a minute, especially when it does have that like sort of crisp round vibe. So mm. I went in and checked out the lyrics. No, it's ju- it's just what if Darth Vader was rapping? It's so sick. The other reason <laughs> why Bad Man is the best song of 2022 is the fucking dolphin noise. That is the best musical moment of <laughs> you, do, you Do you know what I'm talking about? I don't, know. So it's at the start, it's like at the end of the second chorus or it comes out of the chorus and it fades out and it goes into the verse and he's all crooning. He's like, ooh, I'm not here to meet your mother. And then in the background, there's just a fucking dolphin noise. It just goes... <laughs> It's like a dolphin chair pops up. <laughs> so good um, yeah I thought you might like this because it's full of bangers but also you were saying the thing like about his voice his voice sounds completely different here than it does on, on the old stuff yeah like, I couldn't tell if my tastes had changed or if he sounded different I haven't listened to any of the earlier stuff well, uh, because yeah his voice doesn't bother me at all here no I, I have a, a an exceptional two hour long best of Code and Cambria playlist uh, that I can I can send you away if you want <laughs> but no on, on the earlier stuff he does go into that higher like it's more emo and pop punk influence right. so there's a couple of reasons why I think this is different is one is I think they've they're leaning more towards like a harder rock sound on their modern stuff so just the way he's singing is different um age like his voice may have just deepened but also yeah there's a lot of auto-tune on this album and I think it really works I think yeah. it, it accentuates things it's fucking great I'm, I'm so happy you like this this and crash diet I'm having a good year <laughs> um are there any any other standouts for you I say other standouts bad man was the standout for me what's what's jumping out to you about this um I haven't listened enough to pull out many individual tracks one one that has does come to mind is a disappearing act. The verses or sort of the pre-chorus to that, I really, really like. 
sort of the melody and the build up there. And I just get sad that there's only two of them and that it doesn't come back after the bridge. Yeah, put it on repeat. <laughs> that's got like the synthy thing that's like, it sounds like what Ramstein used to do. You know, I went through a phase with this, much like with the Ghost album, where every day I was waking up with a different song stuck in my head. And I'm like, oh, I've yep. got to listen to Love Murder One right now. I got to do it. <laughs> but then what I, I think is cool about this is you get your Bad Man. And then I think there's, there's Our Love, which is sort of like a, a shorter interlude track. And then the last three tracks go full prog odyssey. And I think they're really good. Like my probably my second favorite song on the album is Ladders of Supremacy, which is, yeah, the big like science fiction, heavier rock opera thing. That really reminded me of the Afterman songs. Yeah, I think this is great. Shoulders, which was the single, which is the big like stadium rock song. Because the other thing about Coheed and Canberra is like, I've seen them live and mm-hmm. Claudio can fucking shred. Like there's cool, like, oh, I'm singing my pop punk songs and I'm all <laughs> cute, Claudio. And then like there's where he comes out to the encore to do um, Welcome Home and whips off his hair tie and his hair's hanging back and he's just like shredding on his Explorer. <laughs> um, and that's what he just fully embraces on shoulders. Like I like when he goes full guitar hero and just like rocks out. Nice. Yeah, this is like just a huge surprise. A, that this is good and, and B, that I like it this much and has completely reignited my going back to their old albums and just being like, oh, this band are incredible. And C, Weird. that you've found one that I like too. Yes. Well, I mean, I would, maybe the Afternoon albums might do it for you. They've got a bit more of the rocking stuff. The good Apollo ones, maybe his voices. Um, or even, if you like the rocking stuff, fuck it, you're the Black Rainbow. This band has the best choruses. If you just want to go, whoa, with the band, <laughs> Code and Cambria are it. But we're, we were, at the moment in the blog, we're doing the like best of the half year stuff. I recently went through and redid my, um, you know, albums of the year thing. And I'm sorry to say that um, Nick's band, uh, we, we broke the weather. We broke the weather. They, they have dropped from the number two position. Not too far. I think they're, they're hanging in around like mid top tens, but they've dropped a bit because there's just, there's other albums that I've gone back to more that are more in my style. But now there's like three or four albums sitting like contending for that number two spot. And Vaxxas 2 is one of them. So yeah, I'm big on this and I'm glad you are too. And I'm glad I persisted, made nice. you come out of your break specifically to talk about how great the dolphin noise in Badman was. <laughs> All right, so that was that was the special tech death Coed and Cambria episode of um of of what are we called? The Heavy Blog Review Pod. As I will be back, I think we're recording on the weekend, so maybe next week with uh Trent from the blog to talk about yes, Alexis on Fire, Porcupine Tree, all the other big releases, White Ward, Kardashev. You should listen to that Kardashev album. That's my hot tip for uh Yeah, it's on my list. I've heard I've heard some great things about it. I'm looking forward to checking that out. Well, yeah, you can you can actually listen to the podcast, and we can tell you what is what is worth listening to. Yeah, That'll be new experience. You can hear all my choppy edits. Um, <laughs> so yeah, well, that'll be out soon. And then you're not here for the month after for July either. Um, or yeah, if I am, it'll be in a reduced capacity. Yeah, I'm looking. I don't. Everything that was going to be released in July got pushed back to August. So now there are double the amount of albums in August, and like <laughs> fuck all in July. There's the Greg Preciado album, which came out last year and last year last week, and he technically early released it in June anyway. I've got Arch Enemy written there, which that got pushed to August. And then there's Imperial Triumphant that we were going to do for cool people <laughs> and then some other stuff. But it's just like everything I'm looking at in, in July. Um, yeah, it keeps getting pushed to August. So now August is becoming a problem, but maybe I'll try and get some, if we get some promos, do some of those earlier. But um, I mean, if you were interested in a reduced capacity when it's looking like July might be, but I will ask Trent if he wants to stick around. Yeah. All uh, right. Cool. Well, thanks for doing this with me, Carlo. Glad yeah, you no, thanks. Man, that was fun. All right. Well, yeah, take care and I'll you catch you no, in a month months. or two. Yeah. yeah. All right. See ya. Bye.
think my cat's just pissed on my bookshelf. It's because I haven't cleaned his litter today. He's getting his balls cut up on Friday, though, so uh, I will have the last laugh. <laughs> <laughs> That's almost as brutal as the new Origin record. 